Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Guys, welcome back to the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Got a longtime uh, hunting buddy and friend on, uh, Mark Smith. And, uh, you know, when I say a longtime hunting buddy, I mean, we just, we, we started this phone call 45 minutes ago and we just hit record because we had a bunch of catching up to do. So hopefully there's something left in the tank, Mark, to uh, tell this story about your New Mexico buck, huh? Hey man, thanks Dustin. Yeah, it's a problem living so far apart. We don't get to see each other ever <laughs> once a year at the expo. And then when we talk three or four times a year, it's usually about technical stuff, bow setups or yeah. something. So it was nice to finally have the chance just to sit and hash out some things and talk to you about our personal relationship. And that was awesome. But yeah, I'm ready to talk about some big muley bucks and <laughs> some uh, all dad hunting. Cause I got yeah. some questions for you too. Yeah, this is this is kind of going to be a little bit unique podcast, and we're just gonna, you know, I don't have a set structure of questions or anything, and you know, honestly, the longer you do this, it's a little easier for me to not, you know, when I first started this, I'd I'd be paranoid about having a list of questions, but especially with someone, you know, like Mark that I've hunted with, we've spent time together, and you know, all that kind of stuff, like it's a little easier for me to just just roll through and uh, you know, and just tell hunting stories, and so we. Uh, we kind of realized that we had both uh, hunted New Mexico over the course of this last season and we're both successful, two completely different species and, you know, different, well, I guess time-wise we were probably about hunting the same. Was that, what was your uh, deer hunt was, was it, it was in November, early November. Yeah. Yeah. So I was down there just a few weeks before you, but um, yeah, it felt good, man. I I got, I got down and tipped over an odd ad, but first we want to, uh, I want to hear about this buck because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the biggest buck that you've killed, right, to date? Yeah, you know, my Satan's whole buck, I killed an 05 in New Mexico, um, the one that was in David Long's book and Eastman's and everything up till now. He'd been my biggest, and he's a typical four-point without brow tines. So, frame-wise, he's still probably the biggest deer, but if you're going off of a score sheet, the buck I just killed was two inches bigger than him, 194, Yeah, which both of them are clean four-points. So a 194 with brow tines, that's only 26 wide, and the other one's 28 wide, you know, and, but you got 29-inch main beams and do no you, brow tines. Be honest, because I, I think everyone's different. Like, I'm just curious. Do you honestly, like, like, and, and I, like, I'm, well, let me just come out and say it. Like, do you, is this, is a score, like a number on a paper? I mean, is that like, I, I know you and I know that's not important, but deep down it might be like, is that more important than like, just like you were saying that other buck maybe has more character or something like that. Like, I don't know. Cause, uh, cause, man, cause you, you, you just, you just can't deny that like a score is cool. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool to say you yeah, kill no, a big no, buck. No. Like, the score is the standard, and that's what we use when we're discussing a deer. We talk about a deer. That's how we all talk in the same language. Right. Um, I I I don't like I, I almost like in a conversation you and I just had. It's almost an unwritten man code. Don't ask me where I hunt. Don't ask me where 
I go. Don't ask me what state or what unit. Just don't ask. Just just enjoy the pictures, enjoy the stories, but don't ask the specifics like that, right? Well, same thing with score. I can't stand, and it happens with young people. I'd say people from 18 to 25 years old, one of the very first things out of their mouth is, what a score? <laughs> and sometimes it's like I killed a little eight-pointer in, in Texas a couple weeks back that was on the ground spot and stalk three-year-old deer he has no score he's 108 inches i don't know he's little i don't but the, i the thing is is i stalked this wild east texas deer in a thicket and killed him with a bow which is just one percent of the population of this planet will ever do that there and that's what the story was about and some kids goes what that deer score it's it's such a that 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 question for that scenario is so off-putting that it it's just like, don't be retarded, man. Don't, don't ask retarded stuff like that. It makes you look bad. Don't even yeah. ask that. So, but when we're talking about, when you have savvy guys like me and you or Duggar, somebody, we're talking about a deer, we'll say, Duggar won't, I mean, it's hard to get him to even reference a score because it just, it just drives him nuts. But, but score matters to him because he wants to know where he's at, but it shouldn't be in the general flow of conversation because it just tends to seem like that's, that's the driving factor of everything, and it's not. It's a part of it, but it's not the driving force. So when I'm talking about score, well, yeah, I, I can tell this is a big deer with long G2s and giant G4s and 28-inch main beams. Yeah, I'm going to put tape on him. Yeah, he's got 40 inches of mass or 38 <laughs> inches of mass. Once you have that, man, that's something to talk about. But that's. But let me tell you about everything else about it, but that's part of it, but that's not everything. Right. So, yeah, man, I have, I have a house full. I'll just tell you. I have a house full of Pope and Young qualifying public land animals, dozens of them, that I'll never put in the book. So score don't matter to me, but I score them just to know where I'm at. Just, right. And I haven't scored all of them, but I know I have some that make books, and I don't know that either one of my books will net Boone, and I don't even care about that. I just, you know, I, well, I, in my lifetime, I want to shoot a deer that stretches the tape grossly to 200 inches. I want that. Yeah, right. I want it. But I'm not going to pass a 198 because he's a little short on his G2 on one side. <laughs> yeah. No, he's going to die too. Yeah. And, and uh, that's just where I'm at. Man. No, I, I think you nailed it, man. Like it's it's like one piece of the pie and it's and it might even be one of the bigger pieces of the pie, but it's not the whole it's not the whole deal, you know, and it's like it's it's really hard for us to like put into words, I think, as hunters, like how we feel about score, because on the one hand, it's it's like feels very artificial and super superficial rather where you know it's like all we care about but then it's like well yeah but like you said i mean i've got bucks you know it's it's all relative it's relative to the hunt i've got deer and elk and whatever that i've killed that wouldn't score you know they're not even worth putting a tape on and yet that means more to me than you know than not but then at the same time like you said like well yeah of course i want to you know i'm out hunting for that 200 incher because it's a 200 incher, you know, or whatever. It's such a fascinating, like, um, yeah. you know, dynamic I of think, just, and, and I think you nailed I, it. I think you did. I think score should be talked about when it's relevant. And I don't think score is always relevant. So yeah. like my big three by two, you see the one I put on Instagram yesterday. I put him up a half dozen times over the five years I've been on Instagram, <laughs> that big 29 inch three by two. I've had people ask me, Hey, what that score? <laughs> Why would you even ask that? Nothing. He scores nothing. He's, <laughs> I don't know. He's a seven-year-old deer that's downhill. He's a giant that's so cool at 
I have no, I've that I've never taped. Why, why would I? He, he'd score out as a forking horn. You know what I mean? I have to deduct his one brow tine and his one G three or G four. You know what? Forking horn, but. And, and, and you know what, like, like you just, what something you just mentioned, I think is interesting. Like, and we'll get into your story, your buck. I do this every time, but I, I, it would be nice if when we scored a buck and we threw out a score, we also had to throw out the age of the buck. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, Oh man. And anyone who has done it very long knows that like, you know, yeah, like scores nice. And there's, you know, we've seen. Jason killed one. Jason killed that 224 buck we were talking about earlier. And that thing, we figured that that's probably, I think, a four and a half year old deer is all. And, wow. you know, that's and, and yeah, and just had crazy good genetics, right? But then on the other hand, I mean, he killed a buck in Wyoming that was like moose mass, but wouldn't score, you know, probably 150 inches or whatever it was. And that to me is probably more impressive because you know, the setting, the time frame, but most importantly, that deer is probably older. He's been doing it longer. You know, he had his little honey hole and we really outsmarted an old buck that day, you know, and yeah. not represented by the score. But if you threw out the age, it might be like, oh, I killed a four and a half year old deer and I killed an eight and a half year old deer. Which one sounds more impressive now? You know, like, right. so it's, it's right. too bad you know, that it's, it's not, it's not super easy to get deer or, or elk or anything aged. You know, you have to send off and teeth and yeah. you know taxidermists are guessing and they don't really know and it's just but that would be interesting to have you know i think what'd be cool is if you score deer like you score golf the lower the number the better and it's <laughs> off that and it would be off of their teeth like i don't know that thing's huge man what do you score i don't know man but he was older than methuselah and that's like my jolly if you, <laughs> when you open a deer when you open a deer's mouth and there's like yeah. big dry sockets in the back and some chipped up bone up front and that's about all he's got for teeth He's got a big belly like me, and he's gray. Man, that's what that's what trips my trigger. An old an old gray beard, fat belly, but got some mass, but he don't have any tine length or whatever. That way trips my trigger. Grandpa, dude. way more. Yeah, yeah. but if, you know, if I went, but all that said, all of this stuff we're talking about said, if I ever draw an Arizona strip, or if I ever draw a Pontagon, if I ever draw a Henry's Mountain tag. I'm going to go look for the highest scoring buck I can find, typical or non-typical. That's what I'm going to do. But all other hunts, all general hunts aside, my rule is when I look at it and I push you down to get you out of the way so I can get on my rest to shoot my Weatherby, that's, I'm happy. And that's what happened with, with Tim yeah. there in New Mexico. Five dudes knew about this buck, and everybody underscored him. Everyone underscored him. And, and this is, you know – you know, New Mexico, northern New Mexico, you get up there, there's always a chance at a giant buck. And a few of us had tags. It was one of those ironic, you know, we'll get right into the story now. It was about score, though. Jeremy Duggar drew a tag. I drew a tag. One of our friends drew a tag. Here's three friends that draw a very limited tag on the stars lying up. And we're like, <laughs> let's work together to get our biggest bucks ever killed. That's what we all said. Let's just, let's go on this hunt ready to eat tags, but let's, let's work to rather than fight each other. I'll be honest. When Duggar goes, Hey, so-and-so drew the tag. I'm like, crap, man. <laughs> I finally, I finally draw a tag that's worth having and everybody else. Knew, well, you can either be a pussy about it and be that way and be all sour puss and go, Oh, I'm going to go kick rock. Cause so-and-so drew the tag. You go, wait a minute. I really like that guy. He's a really great guy. 
I want him to get a big buck too. And I want a big buck and I want Duggar to get a big buck. So what we all decided was, Hey, let's just work together. Let's share information and let's just be happy. If the other guy kills it, I don't live there. I have no skin in the game, right? I live over in Dallas, Texas. These guys are still up there living right in the heart of the unit. So, or close to it. So I'm basically, I'm showing up as an executioner anyway. They're going to do all of the work. And I'm just going to show up. They're going to point me. I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm the trigger man. I mean, you know how hunting is. Everybody's got to work, do their part. And I'll get into that later. And we all did do our part. But really, I should really just shut my mouth, get in the back seat, and let them get done. And when they're done, whatever's left, I'll go get some crumbs because I don't live there. And I accepted that fact. And that's just how I showed up there. But anyway, some of our friends have been scouting. And, you know, Jeremy running the archery shop there in Farmington. Everybody comes in and wants to tell him everything. Yeah. Every well hand that's seen a big buck anywhere in that region is going to come in and tell Jeremy, oh, you drew this tag. This is where the bucks are. Here's, here's this buck. Here's this buck. Here's this buck. They're pulling up pictures, and Jeremy's looking at them like their hair's on fire. You crazy? <laughs> I'm going to kill that thing. But Jeremy's a prideful person. So even though Jeremy's sitting there with this whole book, little black book full of all this info, he still wants to go find the buck he wants to kill. He doesn't want to kill he, he don't care how big it is. He don't care if it's 250 with double drop times. Well, if somebody else knows where it's at, he'll go to just go find his own dang buck. And that's yeah. what's so awesome about him is he did. He killed a 227. It was a, and when we're just talking scores, you know what we're talking about. The deer was ancient. I'm going to say that was probably a seven or eight year old deer. And he shot that thing and, and uh, he found it the week before season on a trail camera. He just went and put out and like literally days before the season opened, he runs out and checks his camera and he's middle of the night. He's just freaking me out because he never <laughs> calls me after bedtime. And he's like, I'm freaking out, dude. I'm going to send you a picture. He sends me a picture. I'm like, holy crap. So he's got this big typical that he finds and a big non-typical that he finds. And uh, it was kind of known. He found those. Whichever one he kills first, I'll go kill the other one. And uh, long story short, we never did find the big typical. Yeah. But um, So I'm, but I'm he, curious. He that. I'm I'm curious real quick just something you you said kind of sparked a question and and we'll get into like the actual you know the execution of the hunt or whatever but um when you're hunting with multiple guys right and I've I've gone back and forth on this and I think over the years I'm starting to see a pattern but I'm curious your position or your uh opinion on you know how to be effective at killing big bucks with multiple guys in the same camp. Right. Because like, let's back up to like us in the, in the rubies. Right. And there's <clears throat> four of us in essence, all sitting on the same peak glass in the same basins for the same deer. And it was almost like, we're too dumb to realize that like, Hey man, like, like we're all after that 175 buck and there's only going to be one of them. Like, this is a waste of time for three other guys as far as, you know, actually pulling off what they're here to do. So I'm just curious, you know, what, what you took into this hunt and how you approached it to be successful on big deer with multiple guys in camp. All right. Well, me and Duggar were, were a tandem. We were together. We're, we're best friends. I mean, he's my brother. I love him. I love him more than life itself. I, I have now been with him at his side when he killed the two biggest bucks of his life with a gun. And I was beside him when he killed the biggest buck of his life with his bow. 
I pray to God Almighty that I'm standing next to him when he kills the next biggest one. And I hope it's him that kills it because I have found mule deer were his passion before they were mine. To answer you directly, you have to love someone more than you almost have to want to see your brother be more successful than you want to be because you just love him that much. Otherwise, jealousy falls into it. And I'm the first one to say, if you're not Jeremy Duggar and we're mule deer hunting, I'm going to push you down to shoot that deer if it's the one I want. If, if it's anybody else in the world, my son or Jeremy Duggar, I'm going to step aside or my grandchildren or my wife. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You've got to be my most important people on planet Earth, and I'll step aside and let them do it. Otherwise, the line starts right here, and I'm in the front of it, and I'm going to shoot that thing. That's just <laughs> where I'm at. But if I was to go hunting with you in Wyoming, and you're like, Mark, I've scouted this ridge. I'm happy with either one of these bucks but I really want this one, but I found these two bucks. When we see them, just know I'm coming to be your guest. I'm going to step back and let you do everything that you're going to do. And when the time is right, there's not going to be any arguing over who's shooting. Yeah. Either you've just shot the buck that you want, or you're going to step aside and let me shoot the one you don't want. And I'm clearly, I'm clearly 100% kosher with that. And well, you're going to be totally happy when I shoot my buck. But you got to have that kind of worked out in your heart. Right. You can't have it worked out on paper. You can't have it worked out in a conversation. It truly has to be worked out in your heart before you set foot on that mountain, or you're going to probably fall short of a good person. You're gonna you're gonna show some ugly colors if you don't have that worked out. And I knew going in that I'm going to see what Duggar wants to do. Let him lead the way. And then when things work out, they just work out. And that's really how that one worked out. Yeah. I mean, and I, answer what well, I, I think that, you know, the valuable thing to take away from what you just said is, is that self-awareness or group awareness. Right. And it's like, like you said, if you're, if you're just assuming that, you know, your buddy or your new hunting buddy, or, you know, your, you know, random guy from work that you're teaming up with on the next hunt is on the same page as you, or you think that you think, you know, what he's after, what he's trying to shoot. Like, dude, it will all explode on the mountain. One yep. uh, sooner or later, it's all going to come undone. You know, you really got to be group aware of what exactly is going on. And like you said, it might not even be good enough to, <laughs> to communicate it, but that's a heck of a good start. You know, most guys yeah. aren't communicating it. They just kind of, you know, I don't know what you think. You just kind of think that, oh, when the time comes, like it'll work itself out or whatever. And, and it, it might, but there'll be some resentment, you know, or something there where it's like, yeah. Hey man, like, you know, that's what I came in here for or whatever. And then, you know, or, or best case scenario is you're just going to have three unpunched tags and one punch tag because, you know, everyone's just teaming up, you know, and then one guy finds the one deer. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's good. Well, so Jeremy, Jeremy had found these two bucks and, and, and so he, we're talking late at night and I'm sitting there and I was uh, actually looking at, I was looking at your page. I remember looking at some pictures of you and Jason with some bucks. Maybe I was looking at your muzzleloader hunt with you and your wife. But anyway, the thought occurred to me, I was getting all worked up, you know, about which one of those bucks I was going to shoot. And I remember texting Duggar that night and I said, Hey, I want to be clear. I'm showing up as second fiddle because you've done all the legwork. And when the dust settles and all the weather be smoke clears, 
whatever deer you don't have dead, I will shoot. But you have dips, whichever drive we do, whichever ridge we walk, whatever, just know I'm showing up and, I'm, and, and we'll talk about everything, but make sure you're focused after what you want and I'm good with whatever happens. And he says, well, you know, with me and you, I'm always going to step back and let you shoot first if it's one you want. I said, I know. <laughs> but on this one, well, there's, I know, but on this one, you found some really big bucks. And I'm serious. I want you to do what you're going to do and then let me do what I need to do around you. But I'm going to give you all the space you need because I love you. Yeah. And I want you to have what you want. And he said, amen, brother. And give me a fist pump over text. Mm -hmm. And we showed up. There was never an issue. So, yeah. Uh, I'll get kind of right into the hunting story. Yeah. Um, opening this is going to blow your mind, man. And I wrote about this in an article. This is going to blow a lot of people's mind. It just goes to show what you don't always see. Jeremy found this big buck on a picture on a water source just days before the hunt. Not no big secret spot. Not out in not in a secret canyon. Just out in a general part of the unit. He puts a camera up because Jeremy's freaking savvy. He knows how to find big deer. He is a giant buck magnet. So he goes and puts his camera up, sends me this picture. And uh, he goes, hey, opening day, I think you ought to go over here up on this rim rock and watch below and, you know, look at this stuff here. And This is where I got the picture of the buck this way and blah, blah, blah. He goes, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go look for the big typical. So, okay, man. He goes, like, that big typical really trips my trigger because he's 200-inch clean four-point. Okay. So he takes off to do his thing, and I go climb up in the rim rock, sitting there. I'm looking to the east, though, and so over the morning, I'm looking over to the east. I can barely see all the way over to the pond where he had the trail camera. And I'm looking, and I'm not seeing any deer yet, but the sun's in my eyes. So I pick my binoculars up. Or no, I had my 15 power Kybabs up, my Vortex. And I looked through them. And over at the pond where he got the picture of the deer like a mile away, there's a pickup truck sitting on the pond. And I was like, it's got to be a hunter. So I looked through my glass again at the truck. And I noticed something shiny below me. On the other side of the pond is this truck. On this side of the pond is the giant non-typical buck walking right toward me. <laughs> And the, the deer's 200 yards from the truck. I'm like, golly, what's the luck? Road hunters are going to roll up and smoke down this 200 and some odd inch gigantic non-typical opening morning, most epic story ever. And I got to watch the whole thing through my binoculars. <laughs> I don't even believe this is happening to me right now. So I'm watching it. Buck keeps walking. Buck keeps walking. Truck's still sitting there. I'm like, any minute, man. Gun's going to go off. That buck's going to go down in a flame man you know i'm watching finally man the buck kind of disappears into the sage truck backs up turns around drives away it came think they ever saw him uh, yeah be, be, be kidding me man what what did i just see what just happened well a buck dro dropped down in arroyo and just went east or west or north or south or whatever way he went and out of my life forever and i'm like i know that was a non-typical a mile away you know I'm like that's I got back and so so anyway I hunt all morning and I passed up a real nice buck uh walked right under me in the rim rock Jeremy had pictures of him too huge brow time real big old buck but he just wasn't an opening day buck for that hunt for me so passed that buck and some small bucks and some does and 
not very many deer and uh, not what I expected to see for deer anyway. So I'm walking out. I walk up on that truck, sitting down on this road I'm walking down. And I started to just walk past it. But I turn around, walked over and talked to the guy. You hunting? Yeah, my son's got a tag. He's up on top of this bluff. That's why I just came off that bluff. And without telling him what I saw, I started asking questions. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, was that you that pulled up on that pond over there about a mile away this morning? Yeah. yeah. What'd you see over there? Nothing. I'm like, yeah. I was like, well, did you see anything? No. You didn't see any, any bucks, any deer? No, man. We, we pulled up, didn't see anything, turned around and left, which jive with what Happened. he's telling me. Yeah. But that's not what I saw. So I'm like, and I guess he could just read my face. I guess I'm not a good poker player. He's like, what? Was there a buck there? <laughs> His voice kind of breaks, right? And I'm like, I go, yeah, yeah. There was a buck over there, and I just, I couldn't. I mean, through my binoculars, I could just tell it was a pretty nice deer. I thought maybe y'all had shot it if you saw it. He goes, we didn't see nothing. I was like, oh, I said we well, wasn't like a giant. It was just a nice deer, but I just, it seemed like y'all drove off and left him standing there. So I thought maybe you didn't see him or whatever. He goes, no, we didn't see him. Okay. So I get his name and I go back and I'm ran into Jeremy and Tim. We meet up for lunch and we're talking. I tell them, they're like, holy crap, those guys are hardcore, man. They hunt all this so-and-so unit and so-and-so unit. They've got to know about that buck or they wouldn't be right there. Those guys are hardcore. They're the hardest core guys I know, blah, 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 blah. And so that gets all of us, our blood pressure up. Like, oh, man. So that afternoon we kind of trade positions. Jeremy goes, look for that deer. And I go look for the typical. Well, I run into those guys again. This time the son's in the car and the other son comes up. It's a man and his two sons. And one of the sons has a tag. And I just flat told him, Jeremy Duggar found a deer over here and we're going to hunt it. And we're only going to hunt right here in this whole vast unit. This is where we're going to hunt. And you're going to be sick of seeing us. I'm just letting you know right now. And they kind of laughed, but I was kind of letting them know. I don't want to see you over here again without, saying i don't want to see you here again right yes. but i was just being blunt with them like it's, it's america free yeah. land public land you can go wherever you want but just know i'm just letting you know right now we're not backing down and you're going to get very tired of seeing us because we're going to tear this country apart until we get what we came after right and they're just kind of laughing and they're like well we're going to go north of here and they did for like two days and anyway get to talking to them they knew about the typical the girl one of the, the guy's wife's in the back seat and she just starts spouting out what she saw and i'm like oh so she saw the big typical standing right by the road and the big non-typical they didn't know nothing about so that night we made a plan if i don't kill a deer if nobody else kills a deer let's just focus on that non-typical and let's just beat every bush within two miles of that pond till we get that thing on the ground dead and then from there we'll just let the dust settle and we'll just go do whatever because let's Let's if they're hardcore, let's be hardcore. <laughs> if they will walk, if they'll if they'll do all of this, let's go do all of this earth. You know, let's just <laughs> let's just be tougher. Let's let's get up earlier. Let's hunt harder. Let's push further. Let's be the let let it be our you know, rather than why me, why not me? Why not us? Let us be the ones that get that buck dead. So that said, day two, Sunday. Duggar never hunts on Sundays, ever. Never hunts on Sundays. Because it's a short season. New Mexico only has five-day rifle seasons. Yeah. What, you know, I was like, hey, man, we'll all, let's all get together and pray about it, and <laughs> let's just go hunting. And we did. We prayed about it, and we went hunting. 
And uh, so that day, rather than split up and go, we just came together as a team. This is just me and Tim and Jeremy. Let's go push every knob that makes sense of that pond until we get that deer on his feet and somebody shoots him. And at that point, we don't care who. Let's just get the deer on the ground. We, Jeremy walked 100 miles on day one. 150 on day two. I walked 150 miles on day two. Tim walked 300 miles on day two. I mean, we walked and we walked. Mm-hmm. I, I say that I actually had 39,000 steps. That's 17 point something miles. Yeah. And that's a lot of brush. That's a lot of sage brush we pushed. Right. So we started off circling and pushing and setting point doing old fashioned deer drives. And, uh, dude, it was nothing short of epic. I'm not going to lie on day two on Sunday afternoon, when everybody else would start feeling down and out, like we've wasted all this time or we, whatever me and Jeremy are like grinning. Cause we know there's one knob left. We've pushed everything within two miles of this pond. We've hit every sagebrush flat. We've hit every knob, every cedar Ridge. If, if there was a Ridge 500 miles out that had three trees on it, we went and walked it because we know big bucks will live under those things. Right. So me and Jeremy just kind of look at each other like, this is it. Almost like a movie, man. Almost like the ending of a Hallmark movie. We just look at each other and nod like, this is it right here. It's going down right now. One of us are fixing to lay eyes on and shoot that giant non-typical. There's nowhere else for him to be. And we're just both grinning. And so Jeremy's going to go over this way and guard this route. I'm going to go to the left out this stage flat. I'm going to guard the whole left side of the ridge. And it's a huge ridge. And Tim Bailey, he's going to he post on his orange vest, his orange hat. And he's going to walk out. And he's going to get the wind at his back. And he's going to walk that whole ridge out. And any deer on that ridge is going to either come off Jeremy's side or my side, and most of them get a shot at him. Yeah. There goes Tim Bailey, and that guy's walking, and he's walking. And I see that orange hat bobbing all over that thing for an hour, dude. He's, all, he's literally walking underneath every single tree on this ridge. <laughs> That's maybe 10 acres. And he's walking under every tree of it. And he's got a tag too, right? I mean, he's... No, he's just there with us. He's okay. just a buddy helping. Okay. But me and Jeremy have tags. The other guy, uh, Wesley Warner, had the tag. I'm not oh, Wesley right. Warner brothers. Wesley had the tag, but they were off with another friend of ours doing their own thing. So they knew, like, hey, they had bucks they were focused on that they found, and then we had bucks that we were focused on. We knew about their bucks. They had no clue about our bucks because we had just found them, and really it hadn't come up in conversation. We were just doing our own thing, and I'll come back to that. So um, I believe every man needs to keep his own secrets. That's for sure. And when there's a time to share, you share. But if it's not the time to share, you don't share, right? That's just the way it goes. So we're on this uh, – Tim's walking and walking and walking, and, man, he's in the bottom now. He's coming around the bottom of the mountain, bottom of the ridge. And I see him, and I'm kind of like, it's over, which has happened before. Yeah. And Satan's whole buck. I remember that story. Me. Yeah. He's like 300 yards away walking around the bottom of the ridge, and I have my gun on shooting sticks, and – I'm kind of just drifting off into one, thinking about what we're going to have for supper and fajitas and, you know, how pretty the sunset is and all. I'm looking to the left, and all of a sudden, boom, man, Zeus rips off some thunderbolts. You know, that's uh, Jeremy's gun, that big custom 257 Weatherby of his, man. I heard it go off. But boom, they got a 28-inch barrel on it, 28-inch heavy barrel. So he can shoot 100-grain bullets 4,000 feet per second, you know. I hear him shoot, boom. If Jeremy guns go off, when Jeremy's rifle goes off, I never wonder 
if he got something, I just wonder how big it is. Mm. Like, what did he? Oh, I know he shot. He ain't gonna shoot coyotes. He ain't gonna shoot prairie dogs. He ain't gonna. He ain't gonna shoot anything under epic bucks, right? I know when that gun goes off, something big just happened. So I'm like, holy smokes, man! That Joker just shot. So I look over to Jeremy, you know, he's just a consummate professional, dude. He is like the most professional mule deer hunter I've ever met in my life. I look over, he's on a shooting sticks. I'm looking at him through my binoculars and he's on a shooting stick still. I'm talking a minute after the shot. Another bullet rack. Two just, minutes. Yeah, just waiting. Two, two, two minutes after the shot, he's still looking through his scope. Five minutes after the shot, the guy's not broken concentration. He's still looking through his <laughs> scope. I'm like, holy crap. I'm going to go over there. So I start walking. He's probably 300 yards from me. And I'll walk up on him. And, and by now, his gun's on his shoulder. And he's got his binoculars up on his shooting sticks. And he's looking. And I just walk up there real quietly. What are we looking at? <laughs> Big buck. Uh, I said, you still looking at him? He goes, no, I'm looking at where he fell and got back up. I said, you shot? He goes, yes. I said, you hit him? Yes, I'm pretty sure. Because I shot and he went down out of sight. And he came back into view and he looked hit. I'm like, okay. I mean, he didn't break concentration. And finally, Tim makes his way over. We have a little brief conversation and we're sitting there being real methodical. I'm like, dude, we're not bow hunting. And, you know, typically me and Jeremy have always bow hunted together. I'm like, we're not bow hunting. We have bolt action, very, very high power, capable rifles. Let's go kill this sucker, man. Let's quit jacking around. And, you know, Jeremy's, he goes way down. He puts it in low gear and really just thinks everything through. Tim's over there bouncing off the walls because he's 27 years old and 27 year olds bounce off the wall and I'm getting elevated. I'm like between the two and I'm like, nah, let's just move. Listen, I'm aggressive. Let's make a move. Let's get this thing on the ground. I said, this is the big non-typical. I don't know. It's just huge. He goes, dude, I don't know. He's running. He was running at me at 300 yards and then turned and went exactly where Tim was because he knew that was the escape route. And he goes, dude, I don't, he's like 500 yards running. I just shot. <laughs> and I know my gun's on. I know it's capable. I felt good about it. He was quartering away, so I didn't have to lead him. I just put it right in the middle of him and shot. And I'm pretty sure I hit him. I was like, okay, let's just go get him, man. So Tim drives way around so he can see this gigantic sage flat on the other side of the ridge. Deer was going up. And I said, well, I'm going to circle around to the right. Jeremy, you go straight to where blood was. And if he's hit, if you jump him, I'll get to where I can see him or Tim can see him. And maybe you'll shoot him again or some one of us will, me or him will get a shot and put him down. And let's just go see what we see, right? Jeremy goes straight to blood, straight to where he shoots. And by then I'm around the corner and I'm where I'm thinking I can get a good vantage point of the sagebrush below if the buck takes off. I'm going slow. I mean, I'm still hunting. I'm not going fast. And I can see Jeremy's hat a hundred yards from me on top of the ridge. I'm like, oh, okay, well, he's right there when he shot. So that buck had to come down and I can't quite see where I want to see. So I take one more step to the left and there he is. He's laying there looking at me at 20 yards. Biggest thing I've ever seen in my life, laying there just looking at me. And I had my rifle on my shoulder and my shooting hands on my left stick, or my, my shooting stick in my left hand and the rifle in my right hand kind of on my shoulder. And there he is, 20 yards, laying down looking at me. And I do the whole, do I go methodical and shoot him or do I'm going to quick draw him like Clint Eastwood? I don't know. <laughs> Mexican standoff. And that buck, that buck comes on freaking hinged man he jumps out of his skin flips over backwards takes off and i mean i didn't i mean clint eastwood couldn't have shot him john wayne couldn't have shot him <laughs> there was no uh you know 
for the younger crowd, uh, John Wick couldn't have shot him. That sucker was gone, man. And uh, I ran up to Jeremy. I'm like, dude, he just took off. He just went this way. I just saw him. He's a giant. He's like, okay, man, well, I'm going to sneak this way. And you go that way. So we both split up. And I go look for blood. And I find the tracks. There's not much blood. We finally meet up with Tim later. And uh, Tim said, dude, it's, 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 it's a devastating wound. You know, he pretty much shot, blew his right kneecap off. Like he shot through the knee, you know, in the front leg. So, or the left leg. So the deer was quartering away. Jeremy, Jeremy had his gun probably sighted in dead on it, like 350. So he's only like a few inches low at 400. And, you know, so he said when he shot, he put it like on his back straps when he shot, knowing it probably dropped. And that, that gun don't drop much at 500. I mean, it's a hold on gun at 500 yards. I've seen him do it a hundred times on rocks and stuff and several times on deer, but a running deer at 500, it was 498 yards. We ranged it later and he shot this deer running at 498 yards in a kneecap. So, uh, Tim can see that the legs flopping, you know, the deer kind of disappeared in this little coolie. Well, it's getting late in the day and, um, we kind of had an altercation. We got pretty excited about some things, how we handled it and, we all talked a little bit and kind of had to cool off for a minute and go our own ways. Cause realistically, Duggar was taking a very conservative approach and me and Tim were not. And I think it irritated Duggar a little bit. We needed to just take it down a notch because I got overly aggressive and, you know, Tim, Tim's aggressive and young and we're just, we just had differences of opinions. That's all I'm going to say about that. Mm. So we parted ways for a few minutes, just let the air cool. Then we came back together and made a plan and said, Hey, the deer's in here. It's, it's a big deer. And there's a lot of emotion involved. We're just human beings, man. No matter how many deer we've killed, no matter how much we love each other, there was a lot at stake on this deer for the three of us, right? Like we, we wanted him on the ground and we needed to figure out how to make that happen. All other crap aside. So, uh, I wish Jeremy was on here to tell this story. This is his story to tell, but I'm just going to tell it exactly the way it happened. I mean, that's all I know to do, man. So it's not a perfect world. It is what it is. So we made a decision that not to push him. Let's just kind of let things die down for the night. And the light was too dim to go moving around in there. And let's just back out. When in doubt, back out. That old cliche from all the whitetail shows. Mm-hmm. We weren't unsure. So we just backed out. And we said the best case scenario is that Omni's brother, Wesley, shoots a deer that night. So that he's freed up tomorrow and the three of them can go look. And then I can, cause this is a five day season. Yeah. I got three days left. I still need to shoot a bug. We got guy. And sure enough, man. And and that's just how Jeremy is. He goes, I don't want to mess up your hunt. Well, damn, man, I want to be there when you get this buck. I want to be a part of it. But also I need to calm down back out and probably best. Omni's really calm. His brother's, Wesley's very calm and all this all seriousness they were those were probably the best two guys for Jeremy to have with him because they were going to sit back and not try to manipulate anything they were just simply going to follow Jeremy's orders and have input but follow his direction and that's I'm too bold with Jeremy and I it was best that I wasn't there that's just that's just a fact so um Jeremy knows it I know it I think everybody in that camp that night knew it so turns out Wesley shot big buck big 27 inch heavy old ancient four point shallow fork but 
184 inch deer nice big general general hunt buck man nice deer and he was happy with it so he was done had his buck freezing cold that night we got him in the shade put a tarp over him and uh we all went to bed the next morning jeremy and omni and wesley loaded up way before daylight they were going to go back and methodically look for jeremy's deer I'm going to come back to Jeremy's deer later in the story. This is where my, my hunt starts. My, my hunt was 30 minutes long for myself. <laughs> so here's this big buck that's been on the back burner that I dubbed Decepticon after I killed him because he deceived everybody, killed Decepticon. So hold on, let me back up a second. Jeremy's buck now is named the Fawns because that first night after I saw him, when that big buck opening morning, that truck pulled up on the pond. Here's this giant deer that knows he's caught flat-footed opening day of rifle season out in a sagebrush flat. And he knows if he takes off running or does anything silly, he's going to draw attention to himself. So he kind of clips his collar up to the wind, turns, puts his head down low and walks as slow as he can, as cool as the fawns, man. Is it cool? As cool as cool as he can without getting shot, the deer knows, man, if I bounce away like a retard or like a three-year-old deer, if I do anything right now, it's going to get me killed. So I'm just going to put my head down, walk over to this arroyo, and I'm going to drop in it. I'm going to walk a mile one way or the other. I'm not going to get shot. It was the coolest thing I personally ever witnessed in my life. And so when I was telling Jeremy and Tim the story about that buck that night in the tent, I'm like, man, he was like the fawns, man. Just turned his collar up, put his thumbs up, and he's walked off i'm like that's the coolest thing i've ever seen of course you know i was a kid in the 70s so i know who the fawns is right mm -hmm. hey uh i put a i'm gonna tell you this real quick a side note on instagram the other day i posted a picture of that deer and i put hashtag the fawns one of the old actresses from happy days liked my post man <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember who it was it was one of the guest stars on happy days back in the 70s Major. i'm telling you man shit yeah just seen my post that said hashtag the fawns because there's only one fawns on planet earth you know yeah. until now now there's two jeremy's giant buck and that but anyway one of these actresses liked my post on instagram i felt pretty giddy about that so it was pretty cool so anyway um jeremy's deer was called i'm not into naming deer it's kind of corny but when it fits it fits and that deer was definitely the fawn so we'll come back to the fawns and uh so anyway here's this really big buck that's at the end of our camp road so we camped at this road kind of blocked it off there's this ridge right out of camp i'm talking 10 minute walk and from that ridge more than two times jeremy and other guys have gone up there and glassed up the buck that i killed they videoed him took pictures of him he was always there but they thought he was like 185 and just not quite big enough to shoot for the kind of bucks we were looking for. So with Jeremy having a deer shot, me, that's close to, I'm happy with that deer. It's a mature deer. I'll shoot him. I told Tim, I said, well, look, that's a perfect deer for us to go look at on morning three. Jeremy's got business. He's going to need us later in the day, but we don't all need to be there at daylight. Let's let's let Jeremy and the Warners go do their thing, and then I'll hike up out of camp and lay eyes on this deer. And if he's one I want, then I'll shoot him, or I won't. And by then the morning hunt's over. We'll go help Jeremy find his deer. Perfect plan. Everybody like, yeah, man, he's a nice deer. You might shoot him. Well, we'll see. 
we climb up there, dude, in the dark, just set up in the rocks, canyon below where the deer's at. Man, it didn't take 10, 10 minutes. As soon as the sky was pink, and you could see the floor, the desert floor below, Tim has his spotter set up. He goes, dude, I think I have your buck. <laughs> and he leaned out of the way so that I could look in the scope. And I said, and I just simply looked at him and I said, get out of the way, man. I should shoot that thing right now. <laughs> he goes, okay. So I pulled up my watch. I pulled up sun. I'm like, I'm going to make sure I'm legal because it's early. And uh, it was like 10 minutes after legal shooting light. And, uh, and we got to looking at it. And I'm like, man, that's 500. I don't have turrets on my gun. I have a 350 yard side in. I want to be like 450 or under. I don't want to hold off of the deer. And it was really windy that morning, like 20 mile an hour crosswind. The deer's just bedded. The deer was laying down with his head on the ground. Cause at first he's like, I kept thinking it was a doe and that was her ear sticking up. And I realized that was an antler on the ground. So when the deer picked his head up, that's when he saw it was a, and I posted that picture on Instagram. You can see the buck's head and big deep fork and, yeah, that thing's, that thing's getting shot. That thing's getting shot right now. So we looked at him, and we decided that I could get 50 yards closer. He was 498, or he was right at 500. And I wanted to close the distance, and there was a bench below us, and we ranged that bench. And it seemed like by dropping down there, we shaved 50 yards off. But we had to be very careful because there could be deer bedded. There could be deer bedded below us on this bench that could alert that deer. And uh, so we – got our stuff together and started climbing down and we got down the next bench and ready to set up for the shot. And sure enough, Tim goes, dude, does right here. <laughs> and there was five does blowing across his flat, right to the buck running right at him. We, we bumped these does inadvertently that we didn't know were there. Uh, we were being careful. We were being quiet, but I think they had our wind, to be honest with you. I think they could smell us the way they, the wind was blowing down that Canyon. But matter of fact, I know they could smell us. So, they smelled us and they were bouncing across the flat. I mean, they're 500 yards to the right of us, but they're angling back right to the big bedded buck. By then there's two other bucks standing up under my buck and my buck gets to his feet. The does are getting closer and the closer they get, the more alert my buck's starting to look around. Like, why are they running? You know, yeah. and I range him. He was like four fifty-eight. I lay my pack down and Tim's getting all these cameras set up. He's got a, He's got his phone set up on his phone scope and he's using his DSLR to film me. And he's wanting to get me and the deer in the, on camera on video while I'm shooting. Right. And then, you know me, I don't give two knots of crap about that stuff. I want to shoot this deer right now. And Tim's like, don't shoot. I'm like, dude, I'm shooting. Mm. And you can hear on video. I'm don't shoot, dude. I'm shooting. Don't shoot. I said, man, I'm shooting. And he just kept saying, Mark, don't shoot. Don't shoot. And I'm like, I'm getting pissed off. Mm. Uh, I'm thinking this big buck's fixing to slip away. And I don't care about it being on video. I just don't care. Well, I should care. And I needed to care because it came into play later. Anyway, finally on camera, you hear Tim say, kill him. And I mean, my gun goes off before he says, kill him. He gets out. <laughs> Boom, I shoot. Low right. You're low right. And I hit, man, two feet low and right. I sighted my gun in. 2.7 inches high at 100 before I left, and I shot a rocket like 300 yards in camp, and it was dead on. So I knew my gun was on. The wind was blowing, though, 20 miles an hour, and I was shooting 110 grain Nosler AccuBond out of 257 yeah. Weatherby. And it was it was going 3,500. I mean, it's a good it's a good bullet for that, you know. And so 
He goes, he goes, hold, he goes, you're two feet low, right? So I put it in the middle of his back strap on the second shot. Boom! Barely, just barely. You can see the vapor trail go right in front of his brisket on that second shot. He goes, man, you almost hit him in the brisket. So my third shot, I put it right on the top of his hip, right where his tail and his backbone meet, right on the gray part of his hip, right there. And he's facing to the right. So I'm holding two feet off, high left, exactly diagonally, two feet, high left, where I want to hit. And by all means, at 500, you're 21 inches low with that. But I wasn't counting for the wind drift, the first two shots. So I shoot, man, that time, whop, you could hear it, buck jumps, and I put that video on Instagram, uh, and I hit him. And he leapt forward, and he kind of goes out of sight. So I sat back and I'm like, and, and so Tim goes, you hit him in the brisket. I said, I don't think that was a brisket hit. He goes, yeah, I think you hit him in the brisket. I said, there's no way I hit him in the brisket. So we go back, watch, and I could tell I liver shot him. And it was, I'm so glad we had the video because that told us what to do next. So that's my little tip right there. Two things. Always, I was, I went back later at that distance and I was low. So I always thought if you side in at sea level and go up the high country, you shoot high. But that's not the case. That's two western hunts in a row that i sighted my gun in in texas and when i got out west i had to raise my elevation i was low i don't know why that is but that's that's what my gun does i can't say that that's right it's wrong but when i sight in in texas if i go out west and i'm hunting above six thousand feet i've got to add yardage it just shoots low for whatever reason hmm. so i've done that many times so i don't know what your gun does or what anybody's listening gun does but if you live in the east and you go to the west, don't count on your gun being sighted in from the east. You may have gotten lucky a few times, but I really suggest you take an extra box of shells if you're going to shoot that far and just pound rocks at four and 500 yards if you're going to make those shots. I know my gun. I've shot it enough to know where to hold. That's why I was confident holding there, but I was really shocked that I was that low. The left and right, I, I understood that, but I was shocked at how low I was hitting. So... um you know, when you start talking over 400 yards, that's a long way to shoot without turrets and a dope chart and all that anyway, So, in my opinion. So anyway, I, I hit him and we look at it and I can tell, yep, dead center liver hit. So I told him, we just had this whole debacle with Duggar's deer the day before. I'm not going to push this deer, or I, let's just wait. We waited, uh, shot that deer at 6.35. And so at 8.30, I said, I'm going to walk way around get on the other side of where we saw him the wind was blowing that way from us to the deer at that point i'm gonna go get where i think he will escape and you just go look for blood so he gives me a long time and i i mean i make a three quarter of a mile half circle around this deer and to come back to within 100 yards of where i think he's laying and i'm downwind of him now and tim walks over there and i can see him walking around and he's seeing nothing he calls me I ain't got nothing. I'm like, dude, the deer's got to be right there. He didn't come out with all the other deer. He's got to be right there. I mean, you can see 360 view of where he was at when I shot him. Yeah. He's got to be there. Well, he ain't here. So we'll go walk the way you think he went, follow the tracks. So I can see him kind of walking, and I stand up, and I can see this big arroyo between me and him. I'm like, whoa. I know I've hunted enough to know that deer's in that arroyo. So I call him, stop, 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 don't move. Don't walk over to the Arroyo. Don't do shit. Just back up, sit down. I'll be right there. Because I know 
if Tim goes following blood or looking, he's going to follow those tracks right into that arroyo. And if the deer runs up the arroyo, I'm not going to get a shot. Yeah. If he stays down in it, it was a 10 foot deep arroyo. I'd have never seen the deer. And Tim don't have a license or a gun, so I didn't want that to happen. Got to so get eyes. Stand down. Got to get eyes in that yeah. arroyo. Yeah, I said you stay there. I'm going to come to you. I can see Tim. We're on the phone, standing looking at each other, 75 yards apart. I hang up, put my phone in my pocket, put my pack on, grab my rifle, and I ease up to the arroyo. And the whole time, my whole focus has been to my left, straight in front of me, to my left. That's where I think the deer was shot. That's where I think the deer's bedded. So I, when I walk up to the arroyo, I ease up to it, and I look down the left, nothing. Turn my head to the right, locked eyes with him, 30 yards, laying in the arroyo, staring a hole through me. Faster than the Matrix, homie. <laughs> not John Wick, not Clint Eastwood, almost from the hip. Supernatural Muley Slayer skills come flying out of I don't know where, man, but lightning fast. I got gray shoulder, neck meeting my crosshair, and boom, I touched off the shot and just flipped him over dead in the Royal at 30 yards. That's why there's that big bloody spot on his neck in pictures. It's because that's all I can see sticking up with his head and neck, right where the shoulder and neck meet. And uh, I shot him right there and just flipped him over dead, and I, I lost it, man. I went ballistic, and Tim Tim's hollering. He runs to the Royo, and I'm like, guy he's, he's really big man he's way bigger than we thought and blah 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 and i'm really worked up and you know and and uh when i stop getting worked up i'll stop hunting i guess but yeah. tim 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 goes man i want to get this raw emotion so he drops down in the royo and gets the shot up from the deer's face toward his butt of me walking up on him down the royo and when i walked up and realized just how big he was and how big the deer was that the deer shocked me, and that's what threw everybody off is this deer has dark antlers with real polished tips, and they, they thought he was shorter than he was. They didn't realize he was as deep forked as he was mm -hmm. because he looks like he runs out and peters off. Well, he doesn't. He just had ivory tips on dark antlers, and his body was gigantic. I mean, he's over 300 pounds. He was a gigantic deer, and I just like those Canadian deer. So I knew I just killed a true monarch, and when I, I just lost it. And I hit my knees, and I start the whole, I can't tell if I'm laughing or crying, but there's mm. tears, and I'm mumbling, and slobber's running out of my mouth, and you can't even make out half the stuff I'm saying. And I look over, freaking Tim's got big tears running down his face, and I'm like, that's, that's what it's about right there. That's, that's a good day. We just, we just did the thing, man. We just. We just did the thing and got the thing, and we did that. We did the thing you want your whole life. As a hunter, we just did it, and we got it. And I, I was so happy. And then there's a little drop tying on it, and, man, I'm freaking out. It's beautiful, man. Beautiful. Got the deer. Got him. Wesley is still, like, in the 20s. Gusley's, Wesley's deer is gutted under a tarp in the shade. We're thinking we got a non-typical dead out there somewhere, so I just gutted my deer and drug him under the tarp. And uh, we start calling and texting Jeremy and the Warners. We're not getting any answers. We're just leaving them alone. We eat lunch, and Tim breaks out his tape. We score my deer, 194 gross, typical four-point. Golly, Decepticon, man, way bigger than we thought. <laughs> so my deer's dead at 20 degrees in the shade. Wesley's deer's dead. We got them propped up with their heads tied up in trees so that they'll, they won't, you know, they're rigged out, but 
they're in a good pose, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's something Tim learned. Uh, he guides on a ranch down in South Texas, and they uh, when they kill a buck at night and they want to take good pictures the next day, if they're not going to skin it right away, they put them in those coolers, and then they prop them the way they want them. And it's, it sounds – it doesn't sound all that ethical, but not one of us lost a drop of meat. I mean, our meat was fine. It was 20 degrees out. There was still snow on the ground, you know. And so we felt comfortable that – how rare is it that you have – two much less three giant deer down on the ground the same day yeah. right you just it doesn't happen so we propped those deer up and at one point man i'm sitting on a cooler drinking a dr pepper between these two deer i'm like dang man i just feel like a giant old buck just laying here in the herd man so this is what it feels like i wish i had took a picture because it was like it was the coolest thing in the world to have these two giant bucks laying one to my left one to my right and uh i'm laying in the shade with them man it was super awesome so uh we so about Two o'clock, man. We're like, hey, uh, we checked the deer. Oh, and we had bags of ice inside the cavities too that weren't even melting. So, us, I know people are sensitive about how you treat the meat and treat the animal with respect, and that, with all due respect, we were giving them the best care. They were covered with the tarp, yeah, shoved full of ice, and they they, they were they no, were fine. November on a rifle deer hunt, you know, it's just a little different yeah, they, than the, the, the August. Deer, we kept. We kept checking them, and just so for the listeners, man, we kept checking them, and the deer were fine. There was no bug or nothing. Dude. The deer were good. So we're waiting, and we're wanting Jeremy to get his, too. Right? We just want this moment with these three deer, you know? So um, we're like, you know what, man? Let's just go to where they're at, and let's just ease in inintrusively, and let's just go find them. About that time, my, my phone rings, and I go, tell me something. It's Duggar, Jeremy Duggar. My phone says, Jeremy Duggar. I answer it. I said, tell me something good. He said, God is good, my friend. <laughs> That's all he said. Oh, man. Lost it. Lost it for a second. My voice cracked. Chin starts quivering. Got big old tears in my eyes. I tell Tim, hey, he got him. Tim's reacting to me. Now, Tim's got tears in his eyes. Oh, my gosh, he got him. I said, is he big? He goes, yeah, he's big. Is it the one? Yes, yeah, the one. It's the Fonz? Yes, yeah, the Fonz, man. Okay. <laughs> He gets into camp, and it's just unbelievable, man. It's just unbelievable. This deer's laying there in the bed of this truck, and it's just unbelievable that we have him. And the deal is, they got back over there the next morning. They climb up on a ridge opposite of where they think the deer is with the sun at their backs, and they just start methodically picking apart this giant country, and Duggar gets the shimmer of something in his glass at 9 a.m., thousand yards away puts his spotter up there he is man there's the fawns bedded in the in the edge of the sagebrush next to the cedar trees out in the sunlight just bedded down he's turning his head and every once in a while he just stands up and lays right back down if he you'd never know the deer was shot but he was shot you know his kneecap was gone but it was right in that white knuckle gristle of his joint he, he shot him directly in the front knee joint so there's zero blood, you know, like none. But the deer just, you know, imagine. He ain't going to run. He ain't going to go nowhere. He's just very uncomfortable, I'm sure. And uh, Jeremy finds him at 9 a.m. and starts glassing him. and starts getting the wind right and starts stalking him at 1,000 yards. But the closer he gets, the taller the sagebrush gets. And being a great hunter, Jeremy treated it like he had a bow in his hand. 
At 2 p.m., he shoots him at 90 yards with his weather being kills him. That's how methodical he was. He glasses him at 9 a.m., shoots him at 2 p.m., 2.15, and he had a rifle the whole time. But no matter where he went or got, he could not get a shot at the deer. The deer would never – so the deer finally stands up, and he still had to shoot through sagebrush. Yeah. But he's like, man, this barn's triple shot. It's going to penetrate. It's going to kill him. So he shot through some sage because the deer was covered in sage. But, but just like in front of him, but not like, you know, just the leaves and stuff. But he shoots, boom, drops him. Puts him in the bed of the truck, brings him into camp. When the dust settles and the crying, the hugging, and everything's over on a general hunt, on a general basic hunt in New Mexico, public land, we had just a tad over 600 inches of bone and a half a ton of meat laying on the ground, dude. And it was incredible. That's crazy, man. You know, it's just... One one thing that was coming to my mind as you were, especially as you're talking about Jeremy's buck, um, that I think is interesting is, you know, we were talking at the first of this about hunting with multiple guys and being successful. And I think it's important to realize that um, it's it can be terrain driven. You know, it can be the, the topography of the hunt can can determine how you're going to be the most successful and meaning you know, when we're in those early archery bow hunts, you know, at 10,000 feet and, you know, one guy with glass can cover everything, you know, one guy can see everything. It's not that much more beneficial to have two or three or four guys all glassing, you know, the same basin or two, but in the case of these hunts, and I know exactly what type of country you're hunting. I've hunted down there. I've hunted down there and that's how we hunted growing up. And sometimes it's, you know, you're going to, you're going to accomplish more with a group effort, you know, because I don't know, listening to that story of Duggar's buck, I don't know that you ever, you know, now, now your buck is a little different and you guys knew you're going to be able to glass him and all that, but you know, you probably never lay eyes on Duggar's buck or never pull a shot off the way you did without, you know, Tim making the drive and you guys posting up in a couple spots and all that. So, you know, it's just, just interesting how tactics can be completely wrong or completely perfect, you know, depending on what terrain you're hunting in. So, yeah. But. Well, don't you know, the guys in the, the white truck are sick <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, because Tim texted him uh, a picture of our bucks together. And that guy asked, was that the buck at the pond that we didn't see? Yep. Yep. <laughs> 227, Jeez. 227 gross non-typical with a 198 clean four-point frame gross so he'll go he'll net boom typical um and that's two that's two bucks that i've watched jeremy kill on public land that net boon all time and i was right by his side and and i wouldn't have it i wouldn't have it the other way around for me it's just they're my passion but they but he instilled he instilled the passion for mule deer in me that I have today. So he'll always be number one to me. Yeah. When you, and all that I do, all that I do with a mule deer, he'll always be number one. So I would never have it. He goes, well, maybe next time you can, if we get this tag again, ever I'll kill the big typical. And you can shoot the non-typical. I said, I'll, I'll just shoot whatever you don't shoot, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and when, it's gonna go. you know if anyone has a chance to meet jeremy duggar i mean you just he's just a different kind of guy when you meet him like you just 
you can just tell right off, you know, this is a guy that would not just give you the shirt. He'd give you his pants and his shoes and everything off his, off his body if he could, uh, you know, yeah. to, to make you, to make you successful. And, and that's, you know, it always comes back around. So good, good for him. Good for you guys. That's, that was, uh, incredible hunt. It was incredible, man. And, and Wesley and, and Omni, for those that, you know, those guys, they have a quite a name for themselves in the hunting industry. They, they show up in Eastman's with something big every year, elk and deer. <laughs> They're, they are straight up killers yeah. and the nicest guys that you will ever meet. I mean, they're just super nice guys, but they are, I I've known these guys all my life. I, you know, I've known Jeremy over 25 years. We've been doing this together. And I've known on my a long time and consider him a friend. I really didn't know Wesley and Tim, Tim now is an outfitter, you know, and, uh, has uh, dead right there outfitters and we were super fortunate to have him along on the hunt for logistics you know he helped handle all the logistics of the hunt and uh the camp and stuff just kind of helped us out you know and i felt like i was in the presence of professionals even though these are my friends i can go with some of my friends hunting and it's a good time but i felt like i was in the presence of absolute professional giant slayers the whole time I was around these guys and it just had a whole different it was super cool man like I had a different I'm still gonna do my part I still was me I still did everything the way I do things but the confidence level when you have that group of people together and I'm not trying to stroke my ego by any means or theirs we're all friends but when you put that group of guys together, you really can't expect much less. But yeah. we really didn't expect what we got. But we expected three nice bucks on the ground over the course of five days. We didn't expect 900 pounds of meat and 600 inches of antlers to be laying in our camp in a 12-hour span. That, no one can expect that. I don't think you can expect that on the Arizona Strip. Yeah. And we did it on a general hunt in New Mexico, and we may never do that again, but we might do it next year. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but it was awesome. It just when the stars line up, man, and, and that's why I was going to write an article, you know, about the stars lining up, but uh, I'm not really a astrology guy. I'm a Lord and Savior Jesus Christ kind of guy and God Almighty guy, so really God wanted us to have those or we wouldn't have had them, but I ended up writing an article for MDF and called it enchanted and enchanted it was you know the land of enchantment it was a pretty enchanted hunt man so yeah. anyway that's the story of those three bucks and if uh for the listeners that don't follow me just go to muley slayer one on instagram it's at muley slayer one and scroll down a couple of weeks if you can wait through all the hogs and whitetails because i'm a <laughs> texan you'll see all those pictures of those bucks and uh there's some they're beauties man they're dandies all three of them so yeah that's awesome so with that uh let's shift gears real quick this will be a long podcast yeah i think we can't we can't not talk about your new mexico audad hunt which is right behind mule deer and then <laughs> whitetail i would say audad or probably my number three animal i actually would put audad in front of elk just because i'm just simply not an elk guy i've killed a bunch of them i like them they eat really good but far as intriguing and yeah. toughness and just super freaking awesome animals to look at. I think odd dad are just right there with big white tails and big mule deer. I think they're just 
big bulls are cool. I don't want to hurt your feelings. But <laughs> I think I think Audad are awesome. And 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 you know, I have a U that I shot with my bow in Texas free range years ago. That's mounted right by uh, a ram I shot with a rifle, and she's one of my all-time prize trophies. If you want to use the word trophy, I call them treasures. Uh, I am proud of that you and I got her with my bow and she's mounted on my wall. So I know yeah. anybody that knows Barbary sheep or Audad know what they mean to the people that chase them. So that tell us, tell me, man, let me be the interviewer. What, the, <laughs> what state were you in? Let's get, let's get started. First of all, wasn't that a New Mexico hunt? Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, you know, one of those, you know, how New Mexico is, I mean, you know, they have all these different tags you apply for and there's no points. And so for guys like me, it's just, you know, it's easy to just throw your name in a hat for a hunt because there's no points. And you think, Oh, every year I've got the same chances as the next guy. And so this was actually one of those, uh, early, early hunts in New Mexico, the new, new tag for this last year, you know, it was Oct uh, October 20 something. And, uh, you know, f funny enough, I had had enough hunts going on before this. Uh, I honestly was not that, you know, like you talk about kind of catching that Audad bug, you know, until you hunt them, like it was just a, it was just like a, you know, wannabe desert sheep. And it just didn't feel like anything that I cared about, you know? And, and when you think Audad, you kind of think like high fence, Texas type stuff, which is whatever to each their own, but it just wasn't really for me. And I was going to dip out on it. Honestly, I had taken a bunch of days off work for all these other hunts and tags and stuff. And I kind of felt a little bit, you know, like I had tapped out and I, I kind of messaged my boss and was like, Hey man, like I got this hunt and I got my brother's elk hunt and I, I have to take time for my brother's elk hunt. So I completely understand if you want me to, you know, dip out on this odd ad hunt. And he was the one that was like, mm, no man, why don't you go and we'll make it work. And I was like, geez, all right. You know, when you're getting forced to go on a hunt, <laughs> basically yeah. your boss is telling you, you need to go. It was like, all right. So I, I packed everything up and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not a long story to tell necessarily. Cause you know, frankly, it was just boring. I mean, I, I went down to a unit, um, you know, it's a, and I don't have a problem talking about the units, uh, because it's a huge cluster of like four units, you know, it's like, 32 34 36 37 i think and that doesn't help anyone whatsoever because that it feels like half the state um right and you know and and so i had no idea um to be honest i uh, i was the guy right i was that guy that literally called the biologist on the drive down <laughs> yeah yeah thinking that, you know, this is what, this isn't like, I don't know, it's just kind of a one-off hunt and like, maybe, you know, they don't, maybe they're anyway. So I called the biologist on the way down. I had had, I had picked out a few, you know, one mountain range that was pretty popular online. And, uh, I was like, you know, whatever, for better or for worse, this isn't a tag, you know, most deer hunts, I would be sick if I was approaching it this way because I didn't really scout it or anything, but this hunt, I just wanted to go down and have the experience. If I was going to go, I didn't really care about, you know, 30 inch this and 30 inch that, or trying to find a big, a big, uh, sheep. But so I, I, uh, to make this quick, I mean, I, I got, you know, some pointers from him and he kind of pointed me in a different direction altogether. And so I that ended was up the biologist. 
Yeah, the biologist. And he he was really helpful. It's like, hey man, like this is good, but you might want to be over in over in this spot. And so I I did. I just peeled off literally on the drive. I was like, Caden, now my route's going this way. And so um, you know, and and what happened after that was three days, three solid days of um, you know, hunting and not seeing a single sheep, nothing. Like I yeah. saw more mule deer than I did odd ad sheep. And the valuable thing for me on this hunt, um, because all of a sudden on day four, I found all of the sheep and I wouldn't have, if I hadn't, um, you know, gotten some help from some guys on, on the, on the social media. Um, you know, I started posting my story. I started posting my story of what was going on and, and guys that were from down there could tell where generally, you know, that I was in New Mexico or whatever. And, you know, I like, I don't want to say that. Those are, I, I know those guys too. And I saw that and I just had that. I've been that guy. Yeah. You know, there's guys in Utah when I was hunting all those Wasatch bucks, guys want to see, and I'd be talking about it. Well, that's how I met Jared. That's how I met Jaron Dancy, you know, and those guys, as uh, they just reached out and they want you to be successful. Yeah, those but, two guys. But, but this, but, but in both cases, my case and your case, you know, and I, and again, I don't want to over inflate my value to the hunting world because it's, it's basically nothing. But, um, in your case, you know, they didn't just reach out to you randomly. You'd been going and doing these free seminars at the Western hunt for them for years and years and years. And you've wrote articles and you provided value for years and years and years. You're not just Joe, you know, John Doe that sits in his living room and hunts and doesn't give anything back to the community. And I hope that, you know, I'm trying to be that same guy. Um, and so that's the valuable takeaway for me was, um, you know, I, I, I was pretty, I was pretty sure that, you know, those guys had listened to the podcast before and maybe followed our Instagram page or whatever. And maybe they had pulled, you know, hopefully my, my prayer is that they've pulled more value over the course of, you know, 50, 60 podcast episodes or whatever I've done, then I got out of them, but they, you know, they were willing to jump on and just say, Hey man, like I know where you're at and what you're going through, try here and here and here. And so I did, I backed out, you know, the, the one, one guy in general. And I, I don't, I always feel weird because I, it doesn't, wouldn't bother me, but I'm not going to throw his name out there just because I don't know, right, right, you know, but he just said, Hey man, try here. I've seen sheep here. So I had been three days of, of literally backpacking in, even though the terrain down there is relatively mild, there's some stretches of three or four square miles of nothing. And I'm just a backpack guy. And so I, I did, I pulled out after three days to a different spot. Um, you know, he, he had me really close there, one Canyon over and all of a sudden I found sheep. And once you find sheep in that country, that's, that's the hard part. And so, you know, I, uh, maybe this is the podcast about, you know, when things go wrong, they can still go right with our shooting. Right. Because I'm seeing a theme here and this is something I haven't mentioned or told anyone and not, not necessarily because I was trying to hide it. It just, you know, it just, whatever, like I, I haven't told the story itself to a lot of guys, but, um, I actually lined up on that. There was a herd or a a group of maybe 40 or 45 of these sheep. And I was just after a, a good one. And, you know, if people know where I work, you know, I'm running a gunworks rifle and the system and all this. And, and so I, you know, for me to say that I took an 850 yard shot, I mean, that's, you know, like you were saying, 400 yards is a long poke and I would have never, you know, it wouldn't even have crossed my mind. 
you know, years and years ago growing up. And now with some of the training I have and systems and stuff like that, that's, you know, I've, I've killed an antelope. I killed an antelope earlier in the year at 860. Um, and so I line up on this sheep because I was paranoid, honestly, after three days of never seeing one and there's a herd right there. I didn't care how far they were. I felt like, man, like I got to make this happen right now. And that was my first mistake was not understanding the animal that I was hunting. I mean, the, these sheep were basically about to bed down. And, uh, but I, I cracked off a shot, um, at eight fifty, and you mentioned filming your shot and why that was valuable. And luckily I was filming my shot too, because I crack off a shot at this, at this Ram and I could tell right off that like, I didn't hit him, but I wasn't quite, you know, you know how you're just not like, and at that distance, you know, we won't get into ballistics and stuff, but there's just a lot going on, you know, with wind, um, mostly. And I had just missed my wind call, which I'm not ashamed to say anymore because, it ha- I've seen, I've seen our, our instructors, the best shooters that I've ever had the pleasure of even shooting next to, they miss their wind calls too. And when you're in canyons and you know, those ups and downs and round, you know, around canyons and stuff like that, uh, it just is going to happen. And I miss my wind call just enough at that distance to run that bullet right by the front of his brisket. And I was able to see that on the video and, and know what had happened exactly. Right. The other important yeah. takeaway from this was they had no idea when I missed, they acted like they didn't know what happened. And the reason was I was shooting suppressed. And so this is my testimony for suppressors. If you live in a state that it's legal, it's not just a hearing protection safety thing. It is, but, um, it literally like it extended my hunt on these sheep because they had no idea what had just happened. All they knew was that a rock had kicked up, you know, some, some dirt had flown right up next to them and they, they kind of come undone for a second. And then they just stood there and then they, they even started bedding down. This is within like, you know, two minutes of the shot going off. And that's when I realized like, Hey man, like, like you need to think this through. And, and I, you know, it was going to be risky, but I, I knew that I needed to try to sneak around. So I did, I went across an exposed hillside, um, you know, that I, I, that's part of the reason I just shot to begin with is I was on an exposed hillside and I just said, you know what, like if my wind calls off, you know, enough to miss, I need to get closer anyway. And so I did, I made it through that open hillside, snuck around. It was still a 536 yard shot. Um, you know, but, but I was just, I had a little bit better shooting setup, better platform. I was sturdy. I do have the turrets and the dopes and the rangefinder and all that. And so, you know, a 536 yard shot is a chip shot. And it, and it was, I mean, I, I, uh, you know, I, I scored him up. I mean, it was within a softball size shot group of where I was trying to hit him right behind the front shoulder. And, and, uh, you know, and that was it, but yeah, two valuable things there is, uh, I think for me on that hunt was, you know, understand your, your situation of your rifle and all that, you know, and don't, don't be afraid, don't be afraid to, uh, you know, to, uh, try different equipment. Don't be afraid to, you know, admit that you've made, took a shot that you shouldn't have taken or whatever the case was. Uh, but then, you know, more importantly is, you know, everyone wants to be the guy that someone reaches out to on a hunt and tells them where to go in the middle of it and end up killing a sheep or a deer or a bull or whatever. But, you know, that was a byproduct of some stuff that I had been doing for a long time. I felt like, um, you know, long before that. And so if you want a friend, be a friend, if you want help, 
try to provide help in some way and, and I promise it'll reciprocate back. So, um, yeah, it was fun, man. I was, I was still three and a half miles deep, which again sounds, you know, but it was, uh, I was running out of water. Um, you know, and just the whole <laughs> yeah. nine yards, man, like I was by myself, had a backpack camp in there, had to load up the sheep, had only one way that I could go out. Um, even though there were some private ranch, uh, roads that were closer, I was still on public, but I was in like three and a half miles. And so, it was did one you of the, pack the whole thing. Did I did. Yep. Thing? Typical man, like, typical guy fashion. Right. I loaded up an entire boned out sheep, uh, the head and picked up my camp on the way back. And, you know, I hate to throw out numbers when you don't put them on a scale, but it was, it was over a hundred pounds for sure. For sure. About like a mature mule deer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, hey, um, but it's, it's good. Like people don't believe me. I'm like, man, you will love it. It's not like a goat. It's not greasy. It's a sheep. That's like bighorn sheep. It's better to me. I always keep those back straps whole, cut them in half, and then uh, just put uh, like uh, extra virgin olive oil all over them, and then, mm. then then put some rub on it, and then just grill it to medium, a little over medium rare. And man, those. It's oh, funny. I've I've had mixed I've had mixed reports. Ever I mean, there was one guy that was like, "You didn't pack that sheep out, did you?" <laughs> like, oh, well, yeah, legally that, I had to. He's like, "Oh, those things are terrible. Uh, oh, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't eat him." That, so that's lazy. That's yeah. laziness. You know what? Same thing with hogs. Yeah, I've killed three hundred pound boars, and I've never killed three hundred pounder. I've shot two hundred and fifty pound boars that stunk to high heaven in the rut, and I've killed seventy five pounders that smell like watermelons and once you get the hide and dirt off of them they all smell like fresh pork chops they're yeah. good they're all good love it and same thing with, same thing with all dads man yeah. they're good so well anyway, I'll, I'll grill him up you know and, I'll, preach. Yeah. I'll grill <laughs> yeah. him up and let you know how it goes but hey man Just i don't overcook it yeah don't overcook it. yeah and i i've got i've got a smoker and it's you know how those are it's really hard to overcook oh, those. Yeah. yeah oh yeah awesome but, Hey, I, I gotta, you, I gotta run, buddy. Man, it's been good catching up. I, uh, you know, ho- hopefully we brought some value out of this uh, episode as well, and and uh, it was just good. You know, I've got a couple hunts backed up. I've got to get on, and I'm trying to, you know, do one or two at a time like this. So this was good, and you know, a couple New Mexico hunts that that uh, you know ended up ended up the right way, and and so thanks for coming on, buddy. You got it, man. Anytime, Dustin. Great catching up with you. All right, brother. Let's circle back here coming up with, uh, you know, app strategies and stuff like that, and we'll see if we can get on another hunt this year. All right, man. If nothing else, I'll see you at the expo, right? Yes, sir. Look forward to it, brother. All right. All right. God bless. Okay. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.